All right, all right. Hello, hello. This is your life coach, Coach Latham, and I've expanded to develop a podcast. So welcome to the After Action Review. The podcast is an extension of my life coaching company, Powering Life Changes, where I truly believe that every change has a story. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Coach Latham underscore PhD. I'm ready to hop right into the topics for the day. Let's go. All right. Hello. So in this episode, uh, we are going to talk about the power of preparation. And uh, this might be probably my next favorite episode uh, aside from the power of the pivot, because this this episode is something preparation is something that is so like near and dear uh, to my heart and and just to my own like focus of of how I uh, work to make it through each and every day of my life. So I want to start with this quote, and it says, It is better to be prepared and have no opportunity than to have an opportunity and not be prepared. So again, it is better to be prepared and have no opportunity than to have an opportunity and not be prepared. I mean, how amazing is that when you sit and think about it, even if you, the opportunity does not present itself to you, or you, you're trying and trying and trying and, and nothing seems to be shaking out for you, at least you're ready. At least you're ready. At the minimum, you are ready. This reminds me of like when I first started applying to uh, police agencies back in the day. And back then you had to show up to everything with you know, a haircut, your face had to be groomed, you had to come in with a suit on. Even if you were dropping off a form to the police station, you had to look as though uh, if they came out at that moment and offered you the position or offered your interview, you were ready to go. The power of preparation. So the first thing that, that I want to talk about is why we prepare. And I want to go way back uh, if you remember how we used to have the Mac computers with just the, the monitor and the, uh, the keyboard and the, and the mouse. Uh, and, and I want to talk about this game called Oregon Trail. So if you're not familiar with the game, uh, it's a very old game that was on the Mac. Uh, if you remember playing like Number Munchers, and I think there might have been another game that was also there for us. But basically, it was during like the gold rush when the Wild West was getting established. And um, when the game first started, you and your family were going to be traveling westward, uh, going to Oregon. And you would have to select like different necessities that you would need, like food and medicine and water and, and different things like that that uh, your traveling companions and yourself might need to make it on this journey to Oregon. Now, the interesting part about this game is that your group has never been before, at least when you first start. They've never been, so you don't know what you're going to encounter. Uh, and, and most of us, and I think we were in like somewhere between second and fourth grade, uh, we had never made a long journey across the United States. Uh, so who were we to decide what we needed to take uh, to make it through this, this uh, long journey? So in this game, 
any random thing could happen. You could be crossing a river and, and a wheel could get broken on one of the wagons. You could get attacked by Indians. Uh, a lot of times uh, people in the group would get malaria or jaundice uh, or um, what else would happen? Rattlesnakes. People would get snake bites. And if you did not have the necessities required to overcome those obstacles, people in your group would die. Sometimes the entire group would die. The entire group would die from some type of sickness, something beyond your control. And this was really a great game to really like teach you just some of the nuances of life. Life is so unpredictable, this game, unpredictable. But through the power of preparation, we are able to mitigate some of these nuances. So today we're going to talk about uh, uh, the two states of preparation that, that are applicable to our conversation today. There are many different states of preparation. But we're going to talk about what it is like to prepare things from a safe place and what it is like to prepare things from a, a place of survival. So in our safe place, it's calm, it's cool, it's, uh, it's collected, right? So the plans can be more linear. Um, we, we're creating these plans usually from like the safety of our home, like how I'm doing the podcast, right? I'm, I'm in our office space. Uh, it's safe. It's climate control. Uh, I'm not worried about my basic needs needing to be met in this space. So I can sit with my planner and map out everything I want to do for the month of August. Um, I, I can map out you know, when I want to go to the gym, when I want to go to the grocery store, what I want to eat today. Uh, you know, think of it as this way. You can make a grocery list, go to the grocery store, pick up the groceries and come back home. Uh, we are no longer hunters and gatherers. So, you, you know, if you don't eat necessarily, then uh, it, it doesn't mean that you'll die. Or another way to say this is if you don't go and hunt something, uh, you won't die necessarily. But in this space, you know, we tend to not account for sickness for death, for instability, for poor weather, for pandemics, uh, for flat tires, for arguments, for sick children, for injuries, unexpected bills, layoffs, uh, business failures. And, and, and so most of the time, what we tend to forget in this role is that complacency kills. And that's something that we learn uh, in the police academy, because over time, as you do things uh, more and more, so repetition, you become complacent. Uh, if you've never heard this term, then it means that you have become relaxed in the way that you do things. And often, uh, even if we think of like warehouse jobs, right, are, are like butchers who are constantly cutting meat because they do this so much, so many times, repetition. Uh, they become relaxed. And this is how people end up getting hands cut off. Uh, they end up knocking over lots of freight or, uh, you know, getting themselves jammed up in different legal situations. Complacency does kill. And it's because it lulls you into a state of, of relaxation uh, and you lose focus and awareness. So then I want to talk to you about what it means to prepare from a place of survival. And uh, in, in our survival mindset, our, our planning is quick. We're processing information rapidly, and we have an increased risk to make mistakes. An increased risk to make mistakes. 
Our plans can be more erratic. It's harder to see all the pieces coming together. When you are in survival mode, you, you're in the fight of your life. Think of this. You're in the fight of your life. In your head, you're in the fight of your life. In your life, you're fighting. It's hard to see all the pieces coming together when you're trying to make it out of that one moment. So your brain is having to process all this information to simply keep you alive. I want to talk to you about a real life uh, situation that happened for us one time. Uh, Well, one of many times. But we were working a shooting scene. And I remember that this this young man uh, had been shot on his porch and uh, it was a two story home. We were upstairs, you know, trying to save his life. And we had kids in the adjacent room. We had uh, parents that were like uh, walk. Well, actually, his guardians were walking around. His mom was coming to the scene. Um, We ended up getting him transported to the hospital. And now the scene has calmed down for the most part. And a homicide unit is there and starting to work the scene, trying to collect the evidence and everything. And then down the street, we hear some more shots ring out. So, uh, of course, the first thing that you do is you duck for cover. All right. You, you want basic needs here. I want to make sure I'm safe. Shots are coming out. I want to make sure I'm safe. Once the shots stop, you look around. OK, I'm not hit. Nobody here is hit. OK, next thing. Now it's time to go investigate the shots that came out. Um, so we hop in our cars, some of us, and we go down, go down the block to where the uh, shooting has originated. And we see um, a possible suspect darting across the street. And so now as we get out to make an approach, and remember, we heard the shots come out. So we know the person that we're going to be dealing with will have at least one gun. Um, this guy takes off running. He's in all dark clothing. It's in the middle of the summertime and he's got on a big hoodie. Um, and, and so now the chase is on. So survival mode, right? We're really in survival mode before we even got there because of the type of engagement that we were uh, going into. But now uh, our body is in this fight or flight because we're chasing this potential uh, shooting suspect. And there is a victim who has been shot in the back on the other side of the street. Uh, and so as we're giving chase and we're jumping fences and, you know, Uh, zigzagging through yards and going back and forth. Uh, This foot chase is dragging on and, you know, you are thinking to yourself, okay, he has a gun. I have on like an extra 20 pounds of gear. We've already ran about half a mile. You know, I'm starting to become winded and, and fatigued and exhausted. And once I get my hands on him, I still need to be able to effect an arrest. All right, so I still got to have some, some gas left in the tank to, to be able to wrestle with this guy until backup can get there uh, and help me um, get him into cuffs. Well, he ends up jumping into a getaway vehicle and they take off. So now our foot pursuit has transitioned into a vehicle pursuit um, and, and we give chase. And in the vehicle pursuit, you're trying to slow down your breathing because you just came from running. Now you're driving. Uh, your adrenaline is up. And so you're trying to slow yourself down. Right. You're still trying to see all the pieces to this encounter coming together. But you've got to slow yourself down. Planning as we um, close in on the vehicle. 
the driver comes to a stop. The suspect bails out of the vehicle. The driver takes off. But we're going to go after the suspect, right? That's the person that we believe committed the shooting. Uh, in fact, um, he's come out of his top. He's tried to change clothes in the midst of uh, the vehicle pursuit. And so we give chase again, now on foot, back running through yards. Um, we take him down, get him in cuffs. We walk him back to our cars. Okay, now we can cool down. We can start to see the pieces coming together. Once we all collectively catch our breath, we can start going back to our basic needs. Man, it's hot out here. I need some water. I need to dry my face off. I need to take a seat. I need to catch my breath. Um, I need to see, does he need EMS? All right, and now I can interview him and find out why he was running. Okay, he is related to the shooting. Now there's additional steps that need to be taken. So I tell that story because when you are in a place of safety, you can shift to survival, right? It can be thrust upon you that you have to shift into a state of survival. And then once you're out of that fight or flight scenario, then you can transition back into a place of safety. So I don't ever want you to think that just because you're in survival mode that this is the end-all be-all. But I also don't want you to become complacent and to think that because I am safe that I won't have to go into the uh, uh, survival mode. So in our survival mode, we are focused on our basic needs, which those are going to be food, water, shelter, warmth and rest, and then security and safety. And uh, if you're not familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs, um, you can check that out. And that will help you see like the full spectrum of needs that we have. And, and in this, um, we are going to go, you know, sometimes we'll get up into our uh, level of needs and then something can happen in our life. We can sustain a death or an injury or something. And then we'll go back down. And then we'll start to go up and then something will happen and we'll go back down. All right. So just like with transitioning from being in a safe space to a survival space, the same thing can happen with our hierarchy of needs. So for me personally, I spent a lot of time in, uh, in survival mode. Uh, I started in survival mode and I didn't even know it. Um, at the time that I was born, uh, the earliest that I can remember, which was before uh, before kindergarten, um, my mom had two boys and we lived in low income housing. And sometimes we had to watch ourselves. Uh, my mom worked at Taco Bell at the time. And, and so sometimes we'd have to be there to watch ourselves. Uh, at one point, I remember that um, we got taken away for a little bit and we had to go and stay. Um, I don't think it was with the state, but I, I know it was with the city at a place called Home of the Innocents. Uh, and, and that was a frightening time, you know, as a kid. Um, and then after that, I stayed with my grandmother for about three years. So kindergarten through second grade. And, you know, I'm older now. And so when I think of my time with her, I was in a safe space. You know, all of my needs were met. So my basic needs, my psychological needs and my self-fulfillment needs. Um, you know, I reached Every every spectrum of, of Maslow's hierarchy of needs I hit when I lived with my grandmother. And then around fourth grade, I went back to live with my mom, and that thrust me back into survival mode. 
And at first, it was a lot to take in. Uh, I went from having my own room, uh, my own stuff, an abundance of food uh, and attention uh, to a home with four adults and three kids. And, and I was now sleeping on the floor on a pallet. Uh, I, was, I was eating meals that I didn't like. Um, you know, when we would go to, to the stores, I couldn't just pick something up and, and, and get it for myself. Um, there was just a lot that I had to take in as a kid uh, at that point in my life. And I believe I stayed in survival mode until I was about 22. Uh, I worked a lot of different jobs. Uh, I kept seeking the the next best thing. So if a job paid a little bit more, that's where I went to, right? Because I'm trying to save up money. I'm trying to um, make sure that um, the the worst case scenario, if it happens, I'm ready. Uh, So I was not in a state of like safety. In my mind, I wasn't in a safe place. Uh, I didn't trust a lot of people. I felt I had to protect myself all the time. Uh, and, and although it was uncomfortable, it was familiar to me. And, and, and I want to hit that very, very quickly. Um, just because something is, is familiar uh, does not make it right. And we hear this a lot of times in, in relationships, right, between two other people where somebody will say, well, I stayed with him because it, you know, well, because I knew him or I knew her. But this, this, in your relationship with yourself, you can do the same thing. You can stay in an uncomfortable relationship with yourself uh, because it is familiar to you. It's familiar, right? And, and, and oftentimes that comes about out of a fear of change, a fear that by having to do something different, I may not be as good at that thing um, as I thought I would. And that fear of the potential for failure will keep you paralyzed in that state of being uncomfortable. So I just wanted to, to, to hit on that and, and to let you know that it's okay to step outside of that comfort zone and to stretch that boundary um, and to step into that place of the unfamiliar because that, that's, that's where you're going to grow. All right, but that's we'll, we'll hit that for another podcast episode. So our survival mode can have different extremes. Okay, you can find yourself on the low extreme and maybe not be that bad off, or you can be on the high end and not be able to see beyond the next moment. Uh, an example here is when I was in 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 like middle school and high school. And I knew that one of our utilities would be turned off. So our water, our electric, our gas, or maybe we were going to be, um, might be getting evicted or something. Um, you know, I would have to plan out my meals, um, my water, when the lights would be off, how I would do my homework, um, stuff that I would need to do for my younger brothers, how we were going to bathe, how we we're going to brush our teeth, how we we're going to wash our clothes, how we would cook. Um, how we would wake up for school with no electricity. And, and as a kid, um, that was a lot of responsibility, right? And, and, and at times, like, my grades would suffer, my mental health would suffer, um, and, and my childhood innocence would suffer. And, that, and that's, that's, you know, being in that survival mode. But gratitude. From this experience, 
I learned how to persevere. I learned how to dig. I learned how to overcome. I learned the importance of time and and execution. And so uh, in the episode about pivoting, I spoke about the need to pivot at the right time. And the same thing is true when we talk about the power of planning. You cannot effectively plan in a chaotic environment. Uh, Planning is also about strategizing and developing that mental muscle. So timing in the dictionary is defined as the ability to select the precise moment for doing something for optimum effect. And so so what that means is that you're in in a safe space, ideally, and you have looked at your intended goal, and you found the best moment to act on it, right? To get the biggest effect. Uh, Another way to look at this is that you've looked at your knowledge base. So what do I know already? What is it that I need to know? I've looked at my resources. What is it that I have? What do I need to obtain? I've looked at my network. Who do I know? Who do I need to know? And then I've evaluated the risk and the reward of the goal. And I've prioritized my goals based on what needs to be done now and then what can be done later. So I want to branch off here really quickly and talk about risk reward and what this means. So this risk reward is is a kind of like a system where you can decide uh, the benefits of doing something, or you can decide, um, you know, the negative outcome of doing something, right? So let's say you're looking at taking a new job. Are you looking at um, investing? You're going to look at the risk. Okay, this could happen. This could happen. This could happen. And then you're going to look at the reward. But I could gain this if I decide to engage in that. And and so your risk reward, um, that mindset is going to change over time, right? As you have different career advancements, changes in income, change in family size, a change in health or wealth, right? So all these things will either make you a risk taker or they'll make you more conservative. And generally what we see is that if youth is on your side, you'll tend to be a risk taker. If youth is not on your side, you'll tend to be more conservative. And that comes down to understanding that time is a form of currency. And so when you don't feel like you have the time to recover from the risk or the reward will not be great enough, you tend to be more conservative. So um, I don't want to dig too much into risk reward because that's going to be a great episode uh, for a later day. So we've talked about timing. The next thing that we need to talk about is is execution, right? And so the execution means that you'll try to stick as close to the plan as possible with the flexibility for change. Uh, If you remember during the Ironman uh, episodes, I talked about what happened with my nutrition plan on the bike, right? I was so focused on getting through the bike portion. And although I had trained and trained and trained that at mile 56, I would go to my special needs bag um, and get my nutrition replenishment. During the actual event, I completely forgot to stop. 
And so um, after, you know, I ran out of my nutrition after mile 56, I had to make some adjustments on the fly. But I had prepared that something like that could happen. Right. And, and so because I knowledge base and knew my resources, right, knowledge base and resources here, I knew how I could mix the stuff that was going to be provided on the race course to allow me to at least make it through the bike portion. So, you know, planning goes beyond getting ready for something. And again, going back to that story, knowing my knowledge base and the resources that will be available to me, uh, I was able to to make it through the bike portion. In this, uh, I want to talk about running. So when you're running, there are so many different things that you have to learn in order to be an efficient runner. Uh, And so some of those are you have to learn to breathe. You have to learn to stride. You got to learn about heart rate and pacing and nutrition. You have to make sure you get the right stuff. So the right socks, the right shoes, the right clothing. Right. And you have to make time and be disciplined. And, And all of these great things will roll over to other areas of your life. And and so planning is the same. In planning, you learn to look ahead. You learn to anticipate setbacks. You learn to pivot and you learn self-awareness, right? You learn discipline and time management and you learn how to prioritize. You learn the importance of efficiency. Planning takes practice and patience. And sometimes your plans will fail, and that's okay, right? Revisit the drawing board and get back after it. The the person who believes they can and the person who believes they can't are both usually right. And earlier this morning, I I was listening to uh, some motivational stuff by uh, Les Brown, and and he gave these, these three concrete pieces of advice in order to uh, uh, to develop yourself and to become a better person. And so I'm going to share those with you as we close out here. And the first one is to change your mindset. Uh, you get in life what you are, not what you desire, not what you want. The second part is, is to only spend time with quality people. He calls it OQP, only quality people. People who are going to add value to your life. If you're hanging out with people and you're finding that you're not growing, they're not challenging you to do more, to be better, you are wasting time. You're literally wasting time. You earn within two to three thousand dollars of your closest friends. And it's not about competition. It is because in this friend group, they are going to push you and propel you to do and be better. So don't waste your time with silly people. The last thing is to develop your communication skills. And he says that once you open your mouth, you tell the world who you are. Once you open your mouth, you tell the world who you are. So this episode has been about the power of uh, preparation. And there are some really good lessons here. And there are a lot of things Um, that I did not want to dig too deep into because I want to save those for some additional episodes. Uh, I I thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode today. 
and I truly hope that it that it touches you and it helps you to to understand the difference between being in a safe place and a place of survival uh, and then it helps you to grow and attain whatever the goal is that you have set uh, for your life so as always this is coach Latham and you can always find me on Twitter and Instagram coach Latham underscore PhD always always be kind to yourself be kind to others and continue to live life with intention and purpose. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and uh, we will talk again.